If you've been trying to hire, you know it's a competitive market out there to find talent. Today, we introduce you to two members of Business New Hampshire Magazine's 2023 number one best company to work for in New Hampshire about what it takes to be an employee magnet. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. So Nathan, this by this far. This is special. Well, this is my favorite thing that we do, the best companies yeah. to work for. So yeah. one, not only is it you find out about all these cool perks and programs that, that companies do for their employees. And, you know, when I first joined B&H, you know, working in the media field as I do, uh, we're not exactly known for perks. So it would be, it would be this love-hate relationship I had with it like, because oh, I'd be like, I, I, I'd go to my, you know, our publisher at the time, like, look at what they do. Look at it. <laughs> Can we just have a shred of just that, please? one of these. And, and, and not to say, we, we were a good place to work for, for the most part, too. So, I mean, we, had, we did a lot with what we had. Yeah. But um, the reason that I, this is my favorite thing, is that over the years, we have seen the influence that this has, is that a lot of employers turn to this because they're trying to figure this out. It's the number one thing is how do you keep and retain your talent? Mm -hmm. How do you attract the talent that you want that's going to work? And so between the articles and our event, it's this great sharing of information because we've always said this isn't a cookie cutter competition. This isn't a list of what we think a best company should be. Right. This is us getting employee input. They do an employee engagement survey. 50% of their workforce has to fill out. And then they do a 90 questionnaire that on the employer side about how they get to that engagement level. And that's how we get to this. And then we talk about what they do to get there so that we have all different models of what it takes. Because what works in one company may not work in another. Right, right. And so we've seen over the years companies taking a kernel of an idea that one company had that worked for them, Mm -hmm. putting their own spin on it. Love that. And what I love is that every year we're working on making employees' lives better. We're working at helping employers figure that out, that puzzle. Right. And so it's companies like our guests today that come in, put themselves through our best company's ringer, and share that great information. And so. I, I get so excited. But before we move on, yeah, what right. are some of your favorite perks that you've experienced well, I, in life here? I love, I love this because so it's, it's no longer, we're no longer in the world of like, we've got health and dental and a 401k for you. No, no it's like, yeah, that's fine. But what else do you have? Right. And um, I, honestly, it's all of the stuff that really brings out what, for me anyway, what, who the individuals are that are working for the company, right? Like giving them a platform or giving, helping them grow or, uh, you know, just appreciating them for who they are, not what they do at work as it were. Right. And, um, and then integrating all of that fun stuff and, 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 uh, and everything you get to know about treating your employees as humans. Oh my God. Um, into the fabric of the company. I love when companies do that. And, and so it's, 
you know, where everyone, can, a place where everyone can be themselves and, 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 and have fun, uh, and, and grow as, as a human, as an employee, as an individual. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it because again, it's no longer about the sort of boilerplate stuff when, fo- and, and employees or candidates are so choosy these days because they can be, um, but because they want to be, because we've hit that point of people really wanting the quote unquote work-life balance that we've talked about for however many decades and not ever really achieved. And now people are going, oh wait, no, you know what? I work from home. Maybe it's a couple of days a week. Maybe it's all the time and I need this and I need, you know, I want to be treated this way. And so it's, it's like, again, it's just way more than the, the boilerplate stuff for me. And it's this stuff that's all about like, you know, treating everybody as humans and really valuing who they are beyond the work. And that's the language we've found more and more as, you know, you see the trends that go on over the years through this competition. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is, yeah, the attitude of gratitude, right? Mm. But that recognition that people aren't just oh, an employee. There's a whole person that shows up. There's other aspects of their life that's going to affect their work and vice versa and affect their personal life. And it's about how do we have the most productive employees well, you help them get through whatever challenges are going on in life to the best you can so that they can be their best selves at work. Um, and so, uh, you know, and flexibility being one of those big key yeah. ones, right? Huge. Because even working from home has been phenomenal for me because no longer my wife and I having those frantic conversations or we're having far less of them about, <laughs> do you have time to go pick them up from this and get them to the camp? I'm working from home. I, I, I can work my schedule now around my kids schedule. And mm-hmm. so I don't mind if I'm working a little later, right? Yeah. Because they're in bed. I got to do what I needed to do during the day. Mm-hmm. I worked, I got to go and do what I needed to do for my kids. And now I'm okay with coming back and doing, finishing up my work, you know, when we're focused on getting the job done right, except, instead of when we've done it. Yeah. So we've talked enough yeah. about this. Yeah. Well, we got to talk to the experts. I will, I will say the other thing that I really value as, as you know, if I were an employee is cake. <laughs> so there's there's got to be cake. That's all. There's there always be cake. needs to be yep. cake. But you know what? Let's get to the cake of this conversation. Our guests this week are Peter Richard, General Manager at XMA Corporation, and Sarah Orens Spazero, XMA's People and Culture Manager. XMA Corporation is a manufacturer of special specializing in high-tech components critical to global connectivity across industries, including space exploration, military applications, cutting-edge telecommunications, and quantum computing. We'll get more into that. In his nearly two decades tenure with XMA, Peter has led transformational growth by redefining operational strategies and fostering a culture of innovation. A New Hampshire native, Peter lives in Manchester with his husband Dana and their dog Topaz. Peter enjoys traveling, golf, skiing, performing arts, history, and spending time with friends and family. Since joining the XMA team four years ago, Sarah has seamlessly navigated the intersection of HR practices and company objectives. Her adeptness at nurturing employee growth and aligning it with the company's trajectory has yielded transformative results. Sarah has played an instrumental role in shaping the company's work environment into one that promotes collaboration, creativity, and employee satisfaction. When not in the office, you may find Sarah walking a local trail with her partner, Brian, and their dog, Griffey, trying out a new recipe or reading a good book. Peter and Sarah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Congratulations on being the 2023 best company to work for. Thank you. I'm sure. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cue the whoop whoops. Absolutely. Um, so you know what? We have a lot to talk about. Um, we've already got a sense, or a little bit of a taste before the mics went on that um, this company is not only you know focused on on its clients and its customers, but Y'all are focused on your employees, and and obviously that's uh, that's going to come through in everything we've got to talk about. Um, but it started somewhere, right? It started somewhere. Uh, so we want us, we want you to tell us rather, in your own words, what XMA really is, and perhaps what you think makes it the best company to work for. Either of you. So XMA started in two thousand and three. Uh, two brilliant engineers uh, got together and put some money together and said, let's buy a product line from a company called Maycom. Um, they bought the product line, started the company in the Milliard on Dow Street, and 20 years later, here we are. Um, certainly seen it grow and change and evolve and you know, all different economies and all different things going on in the world and have been part of it for 17 years. So it's been, it's been fun to see it go from you know, a very small company, I was employee eight, to where we are today. Employee fifty three, I think. We wow, forty eight. Forty eight. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nice, Sarah. So, so, um, what, uh, what do you think uh, makes it one of the best companies to work for? Well, from a selfish perspective, mm-hmm. um, what I love about XMA so much is that there's a lot of humility. We're not perfect. Um, you'll hear that from executive leadership themselves. Um, We're very dedicated to continuous improvement. And I think we're a workplace culture of curiosity. Like I can talk about my own upbringing in XMA. I came in as an entry-level administrative person doing AP. And slowly but surely, Peter started introducing me to HR and voila, here we are. But there's so many other success stories throughout our team where people came in doing one thing and now are champions elsewhere in the company. So we look at all kinds of things and for the best companies to work for competition, benefits and perks are one of them. It's actually what gets weighted the least though, right? Because you can offer all the bells and whistles, but if you're a horrible place to work at <laughs> and people get those, mon- the, those Sunday panics that can set in, they're not going to stay for those. And so, you know, we look at your employee engagement from those employee engagement surveys, which yours were sky high. Um, and then we take a look at the culture. You know, we, we ask a lot of essay questions around what you do for, how do you listen to your employees and act on their suggestions to what do you do for wellness, flexibility, family-friendly policies, development, all those good things. So let's start with that important question, which is culture. How do you engage your employees? And what is the culture that you would describe? Because what I find with our best companies is that they can not only tell you the elevator speech about what they do, but they'll have the same kind of elevator speech readily available for who we are. So who is XMA as an employer? What are you trying to be for your employees? So I think you both hit it right when you started. We look at employees as people. And at the end of the day, that's who we all are. We all bring our own good, bad, and different to the workplace every day. And that's something that we don't lose sight of. Um, being a manufacturer, we have unique challenges where we have a broad group of employees that you know, all have very different experiences um, in life. And we recognize that. That's, that's part of our DNA. And using that as a tool to sort of help people along the journey, you know, help them grow in the company, help them be more successful for themselves, more successful for their families, 
um, and more successful in life, really. is it's, it's the core of what makes, I think, XMA really special, is it's something that really matters to all of us. Um, you know, right from the very top, um, it's, it's, it's our core, I think. Something to add to that is I think that XMA is really good at practicing what you preach. You can have all of these really fancy, you know, embellishments in terms of benefits and perks, but if you're not putting them into play and they're just kind of words on a paper, they're meaningless, right? So I think they just have to be truly tapped into, utilized by all levels of the company. If you're, you know, practicing or if you're preaching a work-life balance, like your employees are going to be looking up to your executive leadership, like, well, is Peter balancing his work mm. between outside and inside of XMA? Yeah. Um, and if he's not, then I, I'm, I'm nervous to do that because I don't want to get in trouble for, right. you know, doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. So I think it's just consistency at all levels of the organization and, you know, using what you're making available to people. I would add, too, that reminding people that we also are learning as an employer, we don't know everything. We don't, you know, we're a small company and we've evolved and we've added, you know, great benefits and a great um, environment to work in. But that wasn't by happenstance. We listened to our employees. We were honest and we didn't know the answer to something. Um, and we just, we learned from them as much as I think we learn or they learn from us. And I think, you know, that's some, one of the myths that sometimes gets out there is that, you know, great companies just had these great cultures, right? And and the fact is that great cultures aren't born. They're created. They're worked on. They're nurtured. They're always in development. Um, so I, so many things I want to touch on with you. So you mentioned work-life balance. So let's go down that road for a moment here. It's been the big buzzword for years. And it, the meaning behind that balance has changed and evolved um, and really got set on its head during the pandemic. So what does work-life balance mean at XMA and how do you help employees achieve that? So for, from my perspective, COVID was the best thing that could have happened to XMA in terms of realizing work-life balance for a number of reasons, whether it was capacity within our facility, um, whether it was just keeping... Um, you know, people at home for, for some amount of time, it became evident that people appreciated that and people appreciated having the extra time to spend with their family. And then we took that and said, well, how do we, how do we take this and make it an operational exercise where we can sustain this as a normal business model? And we got to our, we call it a 980 work schedule. Best where thing ever. <laughs> wow. Read. And for people um, who don't know what a 980 work schedule is, can you talk about that? It's more than 360, so it's got me wondering, wait a minute, <laughs> so what, is it's it? like, what is it? <laughs> Sarah knows it in and out, but it's a compressed work week where essentially every uh, two weeks we have... Every Sorry, every, every other, other Friday off. Every other Friday off. So, so you work 80, hour, you're 80 hours instead of over a traditional 10 days to, to five-day work weeks. It ends up being nine. Correct. So you yes. do one week of five days and one week of four, and you have every other Friday off, which when it lands on a holiday weekend, you get, it's like yeah. you get, you've won the lottery. You yeah. have five days off. Bonus. It's perfect. And what was that journey like for you? Because, you know, again, flexibility in a workplace can look very different in, in different places. And for manufacturing, look, at the end of the day, people have to be at work. The product has to be made. That can't be done at at someone's home. There's a factory for a reason. And so manufacturers have had to become creative over the years on what that flexibility works like because um, while you may be able to give 
a lot of flexibility to your office staff. What does that mean for your your manufacturing folks who are going, well, I'm here. And so we have seen these emergence of these, you know, 980 work weeks and so so forth. Can you talk about what that was like for you and what, what it took to establish that? It's not like you can just do that on a dime. What did it take to, to switch over to that 980, get everyone's buy-in? And how did you make sure it worked for your customers as well as your employees? So candidly, it, it, it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, we had kicked the idea around long before COVID. Um, you know, it's something that's actually pretty common in manufacturing, especially some, yes. you know, larger defense contractors. So, you know, being small though, the numbers matter. What you ship every day really, it matters. Um, you know, that's what drives our, our income statement. That's what makes us who we are. That's what makes us successful. And taking a day off from that was scary, scary. And I, I chuckle, our operations team is very risk averse and, and, you know, it was a lot of pushback on this just isn't going to work. We really shouldn't do it. And, and, you know, I agreed with them. I did not see how we would have been able to hit our numbers and, and make plan in doing that. And again, COVID made us, we had to do things that we didn't want to do. And that was one of them. And it reaped dividends. Um, You know, we were not only meeting our numbers, we were exceeding them with arguably less people. So it goes to show you that it's, it's a simple takeaway like that that people appreciate and that inherently makes them more efficient is what we would say in manufacturing. So you're, you know, you're seeing greater output with, with fewer resources going into it. It's funny because when we rolled out the 980, we did it over a summer, right? It's just a summer benefit. Enjoy. You have an extra day every other week. Um, but during COVID for the manufacturing team, they actually adapted to a 410 schedule to kind of reduce the FaceTime in the office. And to this day, I still hear murmuring. It's like, we want to bring that back. And I'm like, this is not France <laughs> yet. <But laughs> hopefully we'll get there. You could be at the cutting edge of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I want to dig in um, similarly, but uh, back up slightly in that, Obviously, everything that you're that you're doing uh, to be a best company to work for requires people working for you. So, what is what does the process look like? Um, wh- how do you find candidates at XMA, and what do they go through uh, to make sure that um, you're the right fit for them, and they're the right fit for you for the company? Volley that over to Sarah. Well, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> well, when Matt was talking earlier about culture, you know, the word that kept coming to my mind is attitude. I think that to have a living, breathing, effective culture, it's an attitude embodied by everybody. Um, and you know, being a smaller manufacturing company or a smaller company in general, um, you look for that specific person that fits your, I, I don't like the word mold, but lack of a better term, your mold, your sure. attitude, sure. you know, what you are as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, I would say, not a complicated process. You know, people come in, they interview with the immediate supervisor and, you know, the supervisor will come to you, they'll give you all their likes, their dislikes. And I learned this from Peter, actually. It's what does your gut say? You know, uh, do they fit with the attitude? Do they fit with the culture, which is XMA? And it's always a hard yes, always a hard no. Um, so at the end of the day, I think it's it comes down to the person. Mm-hmm. You can be a rock star engineer. You can be, you know, a stellar assembler. But if you're willing to learn, you would mesh well with the team, they'll pay you back tenfold. Wow. And I wow. think it, it also becomes sort of self-managing where mm-hmm. 
you treat people like adults. You you again, you meet them where they're at, sure. and you accommodate as much as you can. Once people realize that that's okay, and they trust you as an employer, and they trust that they can share, you know, whatever is going on in their life, there's buy-in, and that buy-in begins to self-manage the culture. Where if you have someone that just it's just not a good fit. Rather than having to go through the arduous um, HR process, it typically works itself out well before it even gets there. You mm-hmm. know, the team will sort of self-manage who, um, you know, who's living up to you know what our expe- expectations are, and also what they're bringing to the table. Nice, nice. Um, in terms of the talent that you have there, obviously there's you know there's folks in accounting and marketing and and HR and all of that. But the folks that are uh, are the are there specific specialized roles because of what you're manufacturing and what you're doing that you look for, and um, is there training of those individuals, or can you come in and sort of you know work your way up to particular points? What does that look like too? So again, that's something that that evolved in COVID. Um, we were very specific on who we needed and what the experience was that they had, and the you know the, the challenges with recruiting that became problematic. It wasn't reality. Um, we had to begin just opening up and saying we will take anyone that is willing to work hard, um, and we'll train them and we'll teach them. And that was a tough culture shift. That was a tough thing to sell to you know, our leadership team, but it's, it's, it's worked. And I think it's a testament to who we really are. Excellent. Excellent. We'll be right back. McLean Middleton is a full service law firm with over 100 attorneys and 25 paralegals throughout its five offices in Manchester, Concord and Portsmouth, New Hampshire and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. For over 100 years, they've been providing exceptional legal services to businesses, individuals and nonprofit organizations across the region. Visit McLean.com for a complete list of practice areas and attorneys. Okay, we are back with this year's best company to work for and our friends from XMA. Let's keep rolling. We've got a lot to learn about what's happening there at XMA and uh, again, what's making you a um, great company and the best company to work for in New Hampshire this year. So one of the first questions that we ask employers in the competition on our, our employer application is around communication because over the years, the one thing I have consistently learned from even our best companies to work for is communication is one of the hardest things that companies deal with. You just can't communicate enough. So we ask, you know, how do you communicate with your employees? But more importantly, how do you act on it? And what are some fundamental changes you have made as a result of your employees' feedback? Because there's plenty of companies out there that will do surveys of their employees and ask for things and then don't do anything with it. And that just drives employees insane. So what does that look like at XMA? How do you keep all those channels of communication going both ways to make sure that your employees know what's going on, but that you also know what's going on with them? And what what, what has resulted from that that has fundamentally changed some of the cultural aspects of XMA? I'll I'll kick it off. XMA is very huddle friendly. And I say the word huddle specifically because every department has their huddles. You know, from the HR side, I meet with each department leader on every every other week and we just talk about their department, what's going on. 
But we also have bigger company meetings where we call them all hands meetings or a larger huddle, if you will, where we, you know, discuss larger company news or, you know, different projects that we're working on. If we just got a million dollar order and we want to celebrate it, we'll all get out on the manufacturing floor and we'll, you know, cover it together, usually by Mark or or who is our president and CEO or Peter. So I'll jump in. One of the things that it's hard to explain, but this was an aha moment for me. On one of the employee uh, surveys that we've done internally, the feedback on one of them was that Mark or Peter opened their house to us. And I, for me, like everyone can come over at any time. Like that's just who I am. That's who my family is. And I didn't realize how important that was and how, how much that meant to people that that you can come over my house. You're, I don't care who you are, that who, like what part of the company you're in. Um, and that's something our president and CEO really exemplifies. He has a beautiful farm in Pittsfield, New Hampshire, and he has land and four wheelers and horses and things like that. <laughs> but he loves to have people over. And we would, we go as a company, we get on a bus and we go to his house and we, we just hang out. We'll blow off a day and just, and just relax. And it's in those moments where you really get to you gain people's trust they start to talk to you as an as a as a friend as a peer and that's where the magic happens in my opinion i think that it it just it makes you a person and not the boss if you will mm-hmm. i was going to say when they physically open their personal doors to their lives you tap into this sign of vulnerability which deconstructs maybe a barrier that was there in the office mm. um so well put <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. (laughs) Well, one of the recent journeys that you've been on as an employer is to become a recovery-friendly workplace. Um, And especially in the situation we find ourselves in New Hampshire, it's, uh, you know, we have been a crisis when it comes to opioids and drug use. Our communities are dealing with it. Employers increasingly are having to deal with it. When you're looking for talent and part of your workforce is dealing with these issues, um, it becomes something that you as an employer are then dealing with. Um, can you talk about what your decision was about becoming, becoming a recovery-friendly workplace, what that program is, and how it's influencing you and your culture? So I'll I'll kick it off and then let Sarah run with it because she really is the the champion here on this. Um, I was introduced to Recovery Friendly Workplace probably three to four years ago, and again thought well, this is something that would be really really great to do. Um, you know, I live in Southern New Hampshire. I see a lot of the the issues that we have as a city as a state, um, but I've lived it personally in my family and. Um, that makes you human again. And mm. you have to go back to that, that everyone has something. Um, so I looked at it and said, this would be great to do. I don't have the bandwidth to do it at the time. I don't know how to do it. Um, and then Sarah ran with it. And um, What I love about being an RFW is that they make the process uncomplicated. It's very accessible. Um, I don't want to say it's easy, but what they're really looking for is a simple testament to your commitment to being a recovery-friendly workplace. You're not just doing it to get the fancy emblem on your front door or a little sticker on your website. You're doing it because you truly believe in the mission and what they're trying to give to you. 
Um, and this is a state program, correct? Yes, Through the governor's office. Correct. And they have a recovery-friendly team with different um, advisors. Karen Morton-Clark, shout out, Karen, you're awesome. Um, she's ours and she has several other companies. And simply what they do is they go to company to company and they give you free training, free awareness um, seminars on different recovery friendly themes. And that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, substance misuse disorder related. It could be mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, I'm doing one right now with my people leaders. um, That's around identifying, you know, red flags and someone who's struggling, you know, emotionally. Um, So there's so many different themes, but, you know, Peter had mentioned it earlier, you know, I as well have personal instances of, you know, substance misuse disorder impacting my life. Um, but you, it becomes less alienating when you start socializing it and talking about it. You don't know what's going on in your team members' lives and they could be carrying this really, you know, painful thing into work every day. But I think once you start talking about it, you start making it okay and not normalizing it, but just saying, you know, we're a place of acceptance we're all, you know, touched by this in some shape or form and it's okay to talk about it. And we're going to continue bringing you resources to not only to help you, but also to bring back to your home and your community to further the conversation there. And so it's, it's about taking out of the shadows and bringing out open so that the, it's not about, oh, well, you know, there's a substance uh, 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 abuse issue that you're dealing with and, and that's okay. It's, you are dealing with this, we recognize this, and we're going to provide the support you need to go on a path of recovery. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, because obviously if someone's having an issue that could come into the workplace that, you know, could interfere with productivity or safety, it's not right. just about like, you know, embracing the person, it's, but it's also about embracing what they're going through and putting them on a path. Right, the arsenal that surrounds you. Like these are all of the programs that are community currently supports uh, that are made available to you at no cost. Um, but I think that starts with just some basic awareness and education, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And I, you know, through RFW, I learned of so many different initiatives throughout the state that we don't talk about. And I'm sure it comes down to lack of marketing dollars. Um, but I think it really starts with word of mouth and being an RFW. Um, I would add that for me personally, and I think that this it, it transcends throughout the company, but it's, a, it's our obligation as an employer. Um, if you look at the basics that a human needs to survive, food and shelter are it. And the only way you can get those today is with, with money. And it's my obligation as an employer to provide that resource to as many people as I can. And that, that's something that's sorely missing. Um, and I think that you know, we're on a, a path to improving that, but it's, it's, a, it's a tough it's a tough thing to, to manage, I think. I'll just say that um, when we did our introductory kickoff where Karen came on site, you know, we just did a, what it means to be an RFW, um, resources in the state, you know, you had some tangible feedback from your employees because people started hanging around and asking questions. And, you know, during that introductory training, you're talking about life-saving tools like Narcan. And, you know, people are like, where do I, you know, I have teenagers and I would like to have that in the house, but, you know, where do I get some? And it's just, you know, connecting resources between, you know, whether that's Karen and your employees, but, you know, making them aware that these things exist. And so it's just one of the 
many ways that you as an employer find ways to support your employees. What do you think are some of the aspects of your culture that your employees value most that keep them coming back? What, you know, what are you hoping they're bragging about when they talk about XMA and the culture that you have there? This is an easy one for me. It, it's the 980 um, people. <laughs> it's a 980 or bust at XMA. Um, but it, you know, having that one day back every other week, and it's just even better that it's a Friday. Um, it allows people to, you know, go to their kids' soccer games or pick them up from school. Um, for me, it's going to the grocery store when it's not crazy. You know, those little things make a difference in your life, and it's something that people talk about all the time. People say, if I ever leave, I'm negotiating a 980 in my next job. And I said, you and me both, okay? <laughs> I love it. But you're never leaving. No. Right. No one's going anywhere. Um, what I uh, what I thought was really in in reading uh, your application for best companies and and learning more about the company, what I thought was really neat is, um, and I jokingly talked about it earlier, but it's sort of like the the cake portion of things, right? Like there's <laughs> there's uh, there's definitely some celebrating, and I mean, right? You're talking about humans. You have to talk about food first of all. Um, <laughs> you are celebrating throughout the month of December all the uh, you know different holidays. You're uh, you're also providing Thanksgiving meals as well. Yeah. So tell me more about like the, the yeah, the cake and the food um, <laughs> that people obviously appreciate and and uh, and remember, but let's talk a little bit about that stuff too because that's important. <laughs> I think it's 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 pretty simple. Everyone loves food and food brings everyone together mm. and we've always been a company of foodies and and definitely <laughs> through the pandemic and then post pandemic we we love to celebrate. So if it's um you know whether we're celebrating New Year's or uh, um, Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, we just have 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 a meal, um, have a snack, have ice cream in the summer. You know, do fun things that again take people out of their day to day work, put them in an environment that's casual where they can just connect with one another over you know something over a hot dog or a hamburger at a, at a cookout, just something easy, and it, it makes people appreciate. Um, you know, their coworkers and their environment, I think, much more than just, you know, sitting down and going to work all day. And there the cake. And the, the cake. cake. <laughs> the birthday cake. <laughs> and you're celebrating <laughs> birthdays too, obviously, right? Oh, yes. And we're a donut company. Oh. I would say the Fridays that we do work, there happens to be some Chichester apple cider donuts. Oh, those are good. In our cafe. Those so are good. So stop by. <laughs> well, so actually, so you mentioned uh, sort of the space and you mentioned, uh, Peter, early on about the origins of, of XMA and, and where you were on Dow Street and all of that. But um Take us on a journey to where uh, XMA currently is and what it may feel like to uh, to work and be in the space that is XMA today. So I think our environment is one that is is evolving. It's growing. Nice. Um, we moved out of Dow Street in 2016. We had um, we had just grown out of the space. It wasn't um, you know really conducive to the type of manufacturing that we were doing, mm-hmm. and we had to look for a light industrial space and. There was luckily one over by the airport in Manchester, um, and it's you know for all intents and purposes, it's a pretty generic looking building. It's a pretty generic uh, space. There's you know there's no slides. There's no there's no um, 
there's nothing cool. You know, it's not, I like that you start cool with slides. There the are front. no slides. Well, it's maybe, unassuming. you know what? Next year, there could be a slide. You Who never knows? know. Who you knows? never know. If you want to keep up best companies, come on. There right? might need to be a slide <laughs> right? here. But, um, so interesting. So to get a little nuts and bolts with this too, in terms of the type of manufacturing you're, you're doing, um, you know, maybe, I mean, obviously there's different types of, and different ways to manufacture, but we're not talking like heavy manufacturing. We're talking something very specialized. So what is, what are you talking clean rooms and things like that? Or is it to that level? What does that look like? Not quite to that level yet. I think, you know, let's check back in a few years. He said yet. That means he wants to come back. We'll maybe be there. Um, But we are, you know, we are a light industrial manufacturer with uh, hand assembly under a microscope. Oh, um, okay. If you've ever done it, it is not for the faint of heart. I have not. I have the post, <laughs> utmost respect for our assembly team. Um, I've tried it. They they kicked me off the floor. They said, you're, <laughs> you're like a bull in a china shop. Get out of here. Some, some people are just not made for it. You That's embarrass okay. us, Peter. Oh, no. And we have a, a an awesome thin film lab at our facility that really, um, it, they make the core of what goes into our product that makes it work. So mm-hmm. that's a uh, very, very technical process. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say really cool equipment doing really cool things with precious metals and and some great employees in there. Wow. So we work with the employee engagement group um, on our, they develop our employee engagement survey that's taken and that's what they do. They help companies increase engagement. Um, And one of the things I love that they, um, when they have spoken at our event before and they talk about what engagement in a company looks like, they liken it to a boat. And so you've got a section of your employees that are at the front, they're rowing together, everything's good. You got a section of your employees that are in the middle and they're not rowing, but they're looking around. They're the sightseers. And then you've got the few in the back that are drilling holes in the boat. Um, And, you know, no matter how engaging your company is, you do have different levels of folks that are at different levels of engagement. And so, you know, we've heard a lot about what you do that, obviously has a lot of people rowing together in the front. But no matter how well you're hiring, eventually you get someone that's drilling a hole. So how do you deal with employees that become detrimental, you know, when they get off course? How do you deal with that and that employee? And then how do you deal when you realize it's gotten to a point where um, it's time to go, you know, that this is not right for everybody around you? So I think it's, I go back to what we started with, treat people like people, you know, understand, you have to first understand why, you know, what is going on? Is it, is it just not a good culture fit? Are we just not, you know, where you want to work? Is it, is it too stressful? Is it, is it just not what you want to be doing? And asking that question, that specific question has yielded a lot of interesting results over the years. It's. But I also think checking in with them, like you good? Everything okay at home? You know, something, you know, distracting you, you know, just ensuring those open lines of communication. Like it's okay to be human. It's okay to make mistakes, but you know, we're here to support you to the best ability that we can, but we have to be open with each other. Yeah. And I think reminding employees that we have a job to do, we have product that we have to deliver. You know, there are, you know, consequences if we don't deliver product. Um, And what are the, um, you know, what are the barriers that are getting there? How do we fix that? And ultimately, you, you might get to the point where it's not, it's not a good match. I think that's the way to put it. And helping the employee realize that 
first is is much easier than the latter, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is what we always try to do. I think we always take the approach of let's help them understand what's going on themselves and let them make the decision before we have to. And I think also going back to the the environment that self-manages, our employees really do hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. So if you're dropping the ball, you're most likely going to hear it from your peer before you hear it from, from me or any one of the uh, leadership team. See, Matt, you, you use the visual of a boat and I think of a cell. I know we all want to be the mitochondria, you know, the powerhouse of the cell, but we all have a purpose, right, in making this organism work. So I think it also helps to relate them back to this is your purpose and this is why, you know, your role rocks here and this is why we need you to be 100%. Let's help you get, let's help get you there. And I think that's a really important point to bring up is that, you know, one of the things that has emerged more and more is that especially those workers that are entering for the first time into the workforce, um, being more socially conscious, wanting to know that what they're doing has purpose. And so when people are coming into your company, how do you accomplish that? You know, how do you make sure everyone knows what their contribution to the company, no matter what level they're at, is important? Something that's challenging in being a B2B business, business to business business, that's a mouthful, (laughs) um, is, you know, making the products that you make relatable, right? Mm -hmm. So when we do onboarding, we have very basic pictures of, you know, we're looking at these tiny little shiny components and they look unremarkable, unremarkable for the most part sitting on a table, but you know, they go into Amazon Alexa when you're driving down the highway, that big cell phone tower that looks like a tree, but it's not because it's lying. That has RF components in it. Um, Those military aircrafts, like those have RF components. It's really everywhere. And I think defining the reach of which our products are in is cool. It's not defined to one specific industry. And there's, you know, developing possibilities. Quantum computing is a great example. I don't fully understand it. Don't ask me any questions about it. (laughs) But um, it's just ever developing. And it's just a we're a company of connectivity. I'm sure that Peter could spitball on the connectivity portion. He loves that word. Uh, I think you're, you're right. You're spot on. Um, connecting the programs that we might be on with the government or other agencies that we work for, connecting them to the employees. Like this is, well, you may never see what you do. It's in there. It's an, it's an, an aircraft or it's in a, a system, as Sarah may mentioned. And it allows communication to happen. And I think it goes back to communicate. That's what we try and do best every day, day in, day out. And when you make that relative or relevant to the employee they and they see what it's going into that it's allowing communication to happen, I think that sort of, it makes it relatable and makes it you know part of their purpose. One of the things I've certainly learned over the years of spearheading this uh, best companies to work for competition is that um, no matter the level of excellence a company may achieve in delivering a great culture to their employees, it's never done. You know, they're always working on it. Even if they have sky high employee engagement um, results, they're always looking at, well, what's my lowest one and how do we do better? And so what are you working on at XMA? You know, what does that look like? How do you go about making sure that the culture is where it needs to be? How do you find out where you may have weaknesses and how do you go about making sure that what you're doing is 
actually meeting the needs of your employees. That isn't just a fad. That is, it, it's what your employees want. So I think for us, it's staying up to date on trends in the workforce. And however we do that, whether it's continuing education, if it's just being active in the community, being the boots on the ground, understanding what is going on in your environment, locally, you know, globally, what is that? Um, you know, and as you scale the company, as the company continues to grow, keeping your thumb on the pulse of what has made it so successful over the years and figuring out a way to expand upon that. There are natural things that will change as you grow and, and evolve as a company, but you have to maintain, I think, the spirit. And I think that's like our guiding principle every day is how do we keep XMA as we know it, you know, and as, as the best place to work, but grow it as well and make it, you know, let's be 100 people next year. Let's figure that out. I will add, um, I think socializing the feedback, right? Because you might have someone who's very vocal, but someone who is not so vocal and a little bit more shy. Um, a really great example is the survey, the employee engagement survey that goes out as part of this competition. Um, in the coming month, we'll be doing, well, I will, with some help, um, be socializing the results from the survey because I think that also tells you where your gaps are. So as you look to the future and you're developing, continue to develop as an employer, where do you see things going? Are there programs you're working on that you're getting ready to roll out for next year? What does the next level of being an employer choice mean at XMA? I think continuing to work on training. Employee training is really important in this area. It's an area that we can continue to do better at. I think, you know, that is how we grow. Um, you know, and as a small company, you sort of start with learning by doing. Um, and as, you know, we've evolved today, we have a formal training program. But as we move to the next level, that has to become something that's repeatable. It has to be consistent. And it's how we're going to drive, I think, the growth, but maintain the spirit of who we are. Um, what I will add to that is I think there's going to be a greater focus in diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. You know, I also say that as XMA is in the infancy stages of doing a Jedi, which is very cool, not just because I'm a Star Wars fan, <laughs> uh, program, but it's justice, equity, di- diversity, and inclusion. Um, but we're seeing, you know, that kind of pop up in the workplace in general. Um, I also see a even greater focus in a work-life balance. You know, I mentioned France earlier, but I think you start, you know, seeing the positive impacts it has when you free up time for your team members to spend time doing things that they love, whether that's with their family and their community, you know, just having time to do nothing and just be a person, um, but I think we're just going to see greater flexibility, more efforts and in being inclusive workplaces. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Mr. Richard. And just continuing to communicate, I think as we evolve, things will inherently change. They change as you go from a eight-person company when I started to where we are today. And continuing to just communicate what your opportunities are, what your challenges are, uh, what your dreams are. I think that that is what will make us successful as we move into the the next stage of XMA. And I think as we wrap up the conversation, my last question for you is, you know, change. Even good change is so hard. How do you help your employees to work through change and to, to make it as painless as possible? Um, because getting people to accept change is never easy. So I, I think people 
have to accept it on their own. But what you can do to help them along the way is share what you're feeling, what you're, what I'm feeling might be exactly what a colleague might be feeling and, and express that and, and work through what, what I can know, what I can share, what I can tell the employees, what I can tell you will pay dividends versus just keeping it close to the vest. And, and you'll feel better as a, as a leader as well. I think also just being honest about what you know, you know, if you're thinking about keeping something confidential, um, I would think twice because I think more information is better. And I also think making yourself available. So if you're going to, you know, share a new change, a new development, you know, don't run away. Don't be out of the office for the next few days. You know, just make sure that you're there, you're available, you're around. So if you have that one person that goes, hey, you know, just had a quick question for you, you're physically there to have an audience for them. Peter and Sarah, thank you for uh, playing a a pivotal role in our 2023 best company to work for in New Hampshire. The two of you are fabulous. XMA is clearly fabulous. And we're so lucky to have you. We're so lucky to be able to celebrate you. If folks would like to be part of the celebration, they can celebrate XMA and all of our best companies at Breakfast with the Best on Thursday, September 21st in Manchester. Registration and information on our website, businessnhmagazine.com slash events. Peter and Sarah, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.